dealing with the unfortunate, unforeseen. Now, as covenant believers, we all know that the unfortunate, unforeseen still happens. During today's study, we are going to get a handle on how to deal with life's curveballs. And we're going to look at some examples from the Bible and get a biblical perspective on that. We're going to factor in covenant, specifically fulfilled covenant. We're going to factor in the perfect will of God. And we're going to factor in contributions that we make in our own days and in how the day unfolds. Now, you all know that we are in a process of looking at overcoming and doing a specific study of overcoming. And so for the next few weeks, we're still going to continue in that study. And everything that we're going to do, even today's study, will pertain to overcoming. So we're going to look at different things, what to overcome, how to overcome them, the steps of overcoming, the rewards, and so on and so forth. So this is not digressing, this actually forms part of, of the bigger picture and the study that we are doing. So we um, are going to factor in many things. In the process, we're going to look at uh, Paul and the snake. We're going to look at um, how uh, human uh, relationships uh, and interactions uh, affect the well-being and the prosperity and the walking into God's provision of each believer. We're going to look at what the possible effects uh, of our own actions, our obedience and disobedience, or our own um, inaction um, can have on what we reap uh, during the course of our lives. Now we have a destination. So broadly speaking, we are brought into salvation because God wants to make sure that we reach our ultimate destination, and that is eternal life. So resurrected life, what people call going to heaven, um, that's the ultimate destination. But there's a road from where I am right now that has to lead to there. So I'm already resurrected in Messiah, and I'm seated in heavenly places because I've been baptized. So I've been baptized into his death and I've been resurrected into his resurrection. Now, this means that I've come through the door and I'm on the way. And um, while I'm on this way, this narrow road that the Bible talks about, we call that now our walk. And so for a spiritual believer, we uh, know that our life is supposed to lead somewhere. Uh, our life is not just supposed to be one day after another, just um, seeking to survive, seeking to be comfortable, seeking to look after our children, raise our children, uh, get uh, old, healthily, and, and those kind of things. There's more purpose to our lives, but we're still living a daily life. Mm -hmm. And it's in daily life that we are still in the process of figuring out um, how to walk in God's perfect protection, His perfect provision, um, perfect relationship with Him, being guided by the Holy Spirit. Also, how to come into a healthy, fulfilling uh, relationship with the body uh, where we are at home, secure, um, healthy, um, loved, and all of this is part of our walk as believers. Mm. But then, everything doesn't always go perfectly. Things happen. And sometimes serious things mm. can happen. And it's in these times when serious things happen, that we as believers have to deal with big faith questions. Mm. We have to try and find understanding and answers to, to big questions mm -hmm. that will arise. Um, we know that our faith will be tested. And we also know that uh, the world and the enemy will come against our faith. We also know that the people around us will affect our lives 
And um, we have come to understand that uh, every action has a ripple effect. Mm. And so we're living in this unbelievably complicated, complex web of human interactions. Um, there's factors outside of our control that is constantly impacting our lives, mm -hmm. economy, uh, politics, um, and so forth. We have fam family members that are maybe unbelievers. We have neighbors that are not serving God. We have people with different viewpoints. And then within the Christian world, we have so many different viewpoints, so many different belief systems and doctrines. Mm -hmm. And so we live in a complicated state of being while still in the flesh. But yes. God chose to leave us in the flesh, in, in the body, fill us with His Spirit, give us His Word, and then He set us on this road where we were going to learn to overcome. This becomes our witness and our testimony. But now we have the different viewpoints out there. We have a bunch of people that says, yes, but if you are spiritful, then you are renewed in the Lord and the blood of uh, Messiah, the Lamb, uh, covers you, then you're never supposed to be become sick. Nothing bad is ever supposed to happen to you. Um, now we have that crowd. Mm. The Lord is just supposed to prosper you and bless you. And um, everything's just supposed to go well with you. We have that. And the fact is that it's an extreme view of something that is true. Mm. The Lord is our provider. He is our protector. He does look after us, He does protect us, He does love us, and He is very good. And we are to live in a close, secure relationship with Him and with the body. Yet, we see that things can still happen in our lives. Mm -hmm. Now, are we supposed to figure out how to live in such a way that nothing ever goes wrong? Is that what we're supposed to figure out? Are we supposed to live a life when nobody in our families or our churches ever gets sick? And, and if it happens, then everybody's supposed to be healed straight away. Are we supposed to live in a society as believers in a church environment where all the children grow up loving God and nobody ever rebels? Is it just because parents didn't do it right that their children mm -hmm. is rebelling? Are we supposed to live in, a, in, a, in an environment, in a culture, in a world where um, nobody, there's no poverty, um, where nobody loses their jobs, a believer's business always prospers? See, uh, ideally we would like to say yes, but then we could put a huge uh, burden yes. of expectation mm. on believers that have been saved by grace washed by the blood, um, have relationship with God through the righteousness of Messiah, not their own righteousness. Mm. And um, then we could put uh, unreasonable expectations mm. in the heart of people that are growing up from being reborn into maturity. Mm. There's mm. a journey and there's a road and there's uh, challenges and there's tests and yes, we're supposed to learn. And yes, we're supposed to uh, learn how to walk it out in faith. And yes, we're supposed to become strong. And yes, we're supposed to learn to overcome. And that is why we're doing this series on overcoming. Because, see, there's a bunch of people that believe God is just going to do it for us. And life has proven them to be wrong. Mm -hmm. doesn't work that way. And then a lot of people are left hurt and disappointed. Mm -hmm. Because they say, why didn't God just do this for me? So we believe in the perfection of the covenant. The we do. perfect provision uh, by Yahweh for His children through covenant. We believe in that. Yes. But we also believe on a process of learning, coming into obedience, a process of growing in authority, a process of overcoming, a process of learning how to live together as a body, growing up as a body. We believe in a process of, of, of 
repenting. We repented once um, at the cross. We repented once by going into the baptism water, laying down life. We repented once by confessing ourselves as sinners, maybe with a consciousness of the different forms of sin, but we confess ourselves as being sinners. Mm. Not that we have sinned here and there, because we could never tally up and never give a record of all our sin. Mm. We can never repair or, or confess all of the mm. sin mm. and all of our transgressions. It's not possible. It's more than we could ever fathom. But we confess ourselves as sinners and we confess our great need for forgiveness. We confess our great need for um, His provision, for our forgiveness, for grace, and we confess our need for a Savior, for what the Lamb was sent to do, the sacrifice of the Lamb. And that's when we confess that we are sinners, mm. totally, totally saturated in, in our whole being as a mm. whole sinner, and that we need to be saved and redeemed in our entirety, completely. So no, nothing is good about us. There's nothing righteous, nothing good, nothing pure, nothing but death and sin. And um, all is lost. And because of His perfect will, His love and His grace and His provision, we are redeemed because He chose to redeem us. And He calls us and He gives us faith to respond. And we say it by grace. So we understand that. And then we are reborn. And this is now from that point on that we want to figure out to what degree can we expect things to go well? Mm. And what do we do? How do we respond correctly when different things come against us, when mm. things happen, when the fallen world around us start impacting our lives? Mm. Or if things just don't go the way that we thought they should have or would have. <laughs> Very good. That happens. Mm. So it doesn't just have to be bad or a disaster. It can just be unforeseen, unplanned. That's right. Yeah. I speak to a lot of people and even people in ministry. And, um, and many people, many people out there, I've been praying, uh, doing things, but uh, they become a little bit confused because it doesn't seem from God's side that He's necessarily providing the way they expected, doing the things that they believed for. And this can cause disappointment. It can cause um, veering from the, the faith path. So a person can continue in being a Christian but they start doing things themselves mm. we all know the story of Abraham and Sarah his wife and we all know what happened when it seemed that God was late the time was running out and um, they took matters in their own hands and we see this throughout the Bible now for anybody that has not watched um, our teachings on what faith is, the definition, biblical definition of faith, um, make sure you watch that. For those who have been walking the road with us, factor that in all the time. Because we know that out in the world there's a misconception when it comes to people uh, standing in faith for things, people believing for things. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we have to factor in the perfect will of God. Mm. We have to factor in what has been specifically um, authorized by the Word of God. So God authorized and um, has given authority to certain things eternally, as long as the world will exist through His Word. And um, we have to bring all our believing, all our actions, all our prayers, all the way we understand life in line with His Word as it has been declared by him. And therefore, we have to understand that God's will is made known through his word. So understanding his word correctly will help us to 
come in line with His will. That's logical. Firstly, we have to know the Word of God, then understand the Word of God, then learn to be able to respond to the Word of God. And that means there's a process of maturing that goes together with the understanding. So we practice. Um, we practice how to walk out our understanding. Uh, even if you understand something, we've still got to practice walking it out. And then we have to increase the frequency um, in our lives of being accurate in the Word of God, in our works, our speaking, our thinking. With other words, practically, mm. not theoretically. Yeah. All of these things factor in. Now, a lot of people feel that they have to do something or they walk into things that they were not called to. And then they just want to believe. They, they apply their own stubborn will mm. to situations and they think they're fulfilling the will of God or even responding to the Word of God. Certain things in life is specific to certain people. And certain things in God's will is specific to certain people. Um, if we look at Moses and the rebellion of Korah, Moses was specifically called and destined by God to lead the Israelites. Now, the fact that Korah and his friends thought that they had the, an equal right as Levites to perform certain duties and services to God um, was based on the fact that they were also Levites, they were also priests, they were also called by God to do certain things. So they were already uh, used by God, called mm. by God, allowed by God, sanctified by God, exactly. anointed by God for certain purposes, yes. but it wasn't exactly the same purposes as uh, what Moses and Aaron had to fulfill. And, it, and God was never going to give them the same uh, authority as He would give to Moses. But they thought just because they were called by God that they could start walking into the things that was only meant for Moses and Aaron. Mm. And this was rebellion. And the way that God responded to them was severe. Severe. And so we have to factor in all these lessons from the Word to understand uh, together as a body, as a church, how to walk out certain uh, ways of God. And then, of course, we have to also understand our place in the body individually. What we've been called to, what has been given by God, what's been provided by God. And um, then we don't want to walk according to the person next to us, according to what's been allocated to them. Mm -hmm. His portion is his portion, my portion is my portion. And then there are certain things in the Word of God that's applicable to everyone. And so that's why we need a lot of wisdom when figuring out how to deal with our idea of what a perfect life should be. A perfect God that perfectly loves us, perfectly provides for us, perfectly protects us, has perfect destiny for each of His children within His perfect plan. And, um, and not to overlap and not to take things that doesn't belong to us mm -hmm. and not to claim things that might not belong to us yet, might not yes. be available to us yet. Yeah. There's men and women that step into ministry that were never called to ministry. Or were supposed to step into ministry much later. That's right, or in a different way. Yeah. Um, there's, there's captains of tens and captains of hundreds and yeah. fifties, captains of thousands. Yeah. Now, if the Lord has called a person to be a captain of ten, and he's working and believing for... Um, a kind of ministry where he envisions being a captain of 10,000, then he's going to start praying in a way that was not God's will. Mm. He's going to start pushing and seeking for things that's not his allocated portion. He's going to try and carry responsibility that wasn't his responsibility. Exactly. He's going to pull people around him into that. 
he's going to become covetous, he's going to become full of desire, and that's going to lead to a form of rebellion, mm-hmm. where oftentimes they can be used by Satan, or they can just walk a very disappointing road, yes. where they're not looking at what God has given them to do, and they're not devoting themselves to doing what God has given them to do properly and righteously and thoroughly, they're always thinking that that was supposed to lead to something bigger. Mm. Mm. And so there's all these kind of things. But let's bring it home. Right here, right now, in our lives. Just normal, everyday lives. What happens when a when we see a faithful believer as devoted in the Word, in prayer, not doing anything sinful, not transgressing in any big way. What happens when we see a believer like that getting ill? Or what happens when someone that's really been faithful at work, uh, contributing to church, um, one that gives his love offerings, contributes, uh, gifts the ministry, um, uh, serves others, what happens when that person loses his job? What happens when uh, you see a believing family lose a child? You know, those are the kind of things um, that we need to understand. And the only way to understand it is from the Word of God, not from philosophy. Now, this is a long introduction, but we want to make sure that we're speaking, um, we're on the same page and we're speaking the same language and we're looking at it from the same perspective. But first, let's look at something unfortunate and unforeseen that happened to the Apostle Paul. Uh, This we find in Acts chapter 28, and this is on his journey to the city of Rome, just after the shipwreck, they arrive on the island of Malta. And you all would know the story. Uh, Let's read from verse 2 in chapter 28. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Unfortunate and unforeseen. I mean, we're talking about Paul here. Little accidents like this doesn't seem um, like something that should be happening to him. We all know the rest of the story, but still, this gives us uh, some idea. We're talking about the Apostle Paul, favored by God. I mean, he is literally um, living to fulfill the purposes of God. Okay. Now, what about us normal people? Um, and this is where I think you should tell everybody out there the context of us sitting here and the context of today where we are at and, and, and from which perspective we're looking at this topic. Okay, so as a church, we have just started, two or three weeks ago, just started uh, an intensive study on overcoming. And we're basing this study on the seven letters found in the first few chapters of Revelation, where the Lord uh, exhorts the seven churches in different areas and uh, instructs them to overcome in certain areas. And at the end of every letter, we see that he says, to whom overcomes, and then there's a certain reward. So seven rewards. So we, we know it as the seven steps of overcoming. And we've just started looking at the seventh letter. And, um, and now, at this stage where we are in our process, we have now arrived at a very real uh, example. Let's just put it in there. It's not the, f- it's not the first time that we're doing this study on, mm-hmm. on overcoming. We have been looking at overcoming for about three years. And uh, it's always underlying all the rest of what we're doing. So we have a mindset of overcoming. Mm. So mm. We, we have taught on overcoming, then we walk it out. Yes. 
uh, for a season and then we come back to looking at overcoming and we and we look at it on a deeper level as people mature so we've just arrived at a place where we're looking at the the process of overcoming uh, from a greater maturity and to a deeper depth yes. and with that background we're going to now give you context okay so last Thursday evening, we, when we came together as a fellowship for Bible study, we did, an exercise, we did an exercise where we asked every member to identify and share um, as a type of confession to, to the, the body um, their own areas of vulnerability or weakness that they are still... Um, overcoming in walking out a process of overcoming in but specifically areas of vulnerability that could cause weakness or vulnerability for the whole so not just for every individual member's lives and you know that could have negative effects on their own lives but those vulnerabilities that could actually have a negative effect on the church on the fellowship on the other members um, those things that could be a stumbling block, that could cause offense, that could cause sin in others. Uh, any of those type of uh, elements or, or weaknesses or vulnerabilities. And, um, and what we realized as a whole in doing this exercise is we were reminded again of the weak link phenomena. The fact that a group of people, a church, a body is only as strong as its weakest link. And the reason we did this exercise was so that we could all again realize that our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities could be the weak link in the entire church. So a weak spot or a weak member or a member's weak area could be that exact area or the doorway that could bring in a negative effect on the whole. And so, so the context that we're looking at today and the context that we're doing this teaching in today... Just before we go there, yes, sorry to interrupt no. you. The fact is that... Uh, I just want to explain so that there's no misunderstandings. When we refer to the weaker member or the weakness in a believer's life, we're not talking about people that are still in the process of learning about it, realizing, understanding weaknesses, mm. understanding transgression, understanding sin in their lives. We're now referring to the areas where people have repented and said they have repented. They've, they've confessed it. They understand these things that shouldn't be done, shouldn't be there, shouldn't be happening. Mm. But then out of disobedience, out of um, rebellion, out of self-will, not, not taking responsibility, mm -hmm these um, individuals uh, go and veer into these actions or ways of speaking or transgressions again and again. And we're not even talking about what would be considered as, as sin per se. Yes. We're talking about things like speaking out of turn, speaking too much. Uh, there's things where people go into self, where it's about them where they focus turn to themselves. We're very focused on those areas mm. where we bring something that's not sanctified and healthy for the body into the context of the body yes. or the fellowship or church. Now, we no longer even speaking about uh, gross transgressions. Just for people out there to understand what we're talking about is uh, we're talking about people that would start talking and then the uh, focus of their conversation turns to themselves. Mm. That in our fellowship is a transgression. It's harmful. Why? Because you're diverting everybody's attention, taking time from what the Holy Spirit wanted to do and focusing attention on yourself and taking time. Mm. Um, we know in churches how a self-focused person can redirect the entire conversation, the entire yes. way of fellowship. So we're talking about those things. Mm. And now, so when we talk about the weaker member, we're not talking about a person yes. that is still struggling with something they have no control over. We're yes. not talking about that. Yes. Because yes. we have ample grace for that. And we're not we are talking all about, in a process of exactly. growing and yeah. repenting. So we're not talking about 
the person that had woundings and they're still being healing. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the weaker person as the person that should have already had overcoming, should be strong, have no reason to relapse, no reason to do something again, but they're going to do it again. We're talking about that. And that's what we were, we were asking everybody to have a look at. Do they have to identify the areas where they have repented and that they should make sure that they don't go into those danger zones again. Mm. And the reason for it is because if we ignore them, these things uh, come out and it harms the person, it harms the fellowship, it harms other people in the fellowship. It puts the sanctity of being in the body, uh, it puts that in danger and at risk. Okay, so what we were looking at to happen on Thursday, and this is just for our fellowship, so we had an amazing meeting, an amazing interaction where people opened themselves up, made themselves vulnerable, and the feedback was that most people felt it was amazing and that it was um, very vulnerable and intimate. intimate. But we were only 50% satisfied with the outcome, us, because we felt that very quickly um, all of us are, are, are vulnerable to very quickly go into a place where I've got this vulnerability and, I, and I'm a victim of it. Mm-hmm. Now we are working towards each person taking responsibility for exactly the thing that's going to make us experience discomfort or the rest of the people experience discomfort. So we're still walking towards that. We felt after the Thursday that we had not come to that place yet. Mm-hmm. Some things that were supposed to be identified was not identified by people. Um, some things that was, was identified by people was identified, but in, uh, in a way that ignored other more serious things. Yes. And, um, and there's no judgment in this, but we know that for everybody to be safe, everybody to be secure, and everybody to grow into maturity, we need to address these areas. There's no getting around it. As long as these uh, areas of stubbornness, pride, um, unrepentantness, um, sin remain in our lives, as long as these vulnerabilities to self remain in our fellowship, the entire fellowship is at risk. So there's vulnerabilities. Things can get through the wall. Mm -hmm. So a ringed wall with one gap is useless. Yes. If you build a wall around a city, but you don't do put a, a gate in it, or you don't close the gate, then the ringed wall means nothing. And that is where we're focusing right now. Because what we learned from the Thursday evening exercise was that we are still vulnerable to looking at the transgressions from the past and think that we should um, maybe expect a little bit of sympathy mm. when it comes to those things. Pity. And, and, and we have to become aware of these things. Also, um, we felt that we haven't achieved our goal of people looking at their actions, their thoughts, and their speech. Because this is where it's at. Just, what's my thoughts doing? Uh, These thoughts, uh, so my thoughts will have a result. It's action and speech. Those three things together will lead to emotions. Right. It will also affect the way that the people around us respond to us, which will affect our thoughts. So if we have disciplined, biblical, sanctified, in the spirit, thought life, it will lead to walking in the spirit and speaking uh, in accordance with the word and, and in accordance with holiness. 
justice, righteousness and truth, then what should be coming our way from other people should be in line with that. Yes. But if we are going to allow certain areas in our thought life that is undisciplined, unsanctified, unnecessary, focused on self, selfish, self-indulgent, even if it's just a third of our thought life, a 50% of our thought life, then that's going to lead to vulnerability. The, 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 the chances of a person acting in a way they shouldn't out of that 50% of unguarded thought life is very good. Very good. We're going to mess up. We're going to get it right, get it right, but mess up somewhere. Okay. The same with speech. We're going to say something we shouldn't have said. Yes. Or in a way that we shouldn't have said. And then afterwards you go, well, I didn't mean it like that. If we exercise our minds towards godliness, then the speech will be godly. Yes. Yes. Now that's where we're going. We, we're looking at, uh, at, 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 at that as a goal. Now back to where we are at now. We were teaching everybody that if we don't um, achieve a very high measure of sanctified speech and walking circumspectly in sanctification and holiness, obedience to the Spirit and the Word, if we don't achieve that, then we will remain vulnerable to all kinds of factors. We remain vulnerable to temptation. To offense, especially offense, we remain vulnerable to unforgiveness, rejection, bitterness, and we remain vulnerable to financial loss, to missed opportunities, to wasted time, to not hearing what God is saying, not seeing where the Spirit is leading us, to missing open doors, opportunities, uh, opportunities with God, with each other, and we remain vulnerable to sickness, we remain vulnerable to all kinds of things happening. We know that the enemy is a roaring lion walking around to see mm. where he can steal or destroy or devour or kill. Now we know this, and that is why we are only safe within the boundaries of um, holiness, of mm. obedience, mm. of uh, the boundaries of what the covenant uh, entails. Relationship and closeness with the Lord, loving the body in the right way. And that safe place is everywhere outside and separate from what's selfish. Now, when we veer into self, that's when that line can get to us. Yes. Okay. Now... We're going to tell you the context to this. Mm. So you can tell them. Okay. So, um, obviously, taking all of this into account, what was said, uh, with the vulnerabilities and the weak spots and the weak links and all of that, um, obviously, as we walk in the will of God, like you said, um, and walk in sanctification and holiness and righteousness, then we should be guarded from all of these elements. Now, if all of this was only pertaining to the individual's life, then that would be one thing. So if, if it were the, the degree that I was walking in the will of God or not in the will of God was only going to have an effect on my life, then that would be something to consider and worry about and focus on, but the, it would be contained. What we understand, why we are doing these um, exercises, why we strive and believe for perfection and holiness and sanctification is because we understand that the things we allow and the weak spots that we do have uh, long term not only have only an effect on our individual lives, but also have an effect on the lives of those people around us, especially the weaknesses in the areas that we uh, are unable to repent in. And so the context and the example that we are looking at now is that um, somewhere in the last week, uh, someone we came into contact with someone that was carrying the COVID-19 virus. And through this, the virus has made its way into the core of this church, into the core of this ministry where the elders have been infected, the place where we gather has been contaminated, so we can no longer meet in our usual meeting place, 
And the two of us as pastors and teachers have been infected, so we cannot meet with our people in person, hence the recorded teaching. And, um, and this is one example of where the, a weak link or a weak spot was found in our midst and the virus could make its way through. This is not necessarily a reflection of um, not receiving favor from God or, you know, something other. It could just have been the matter of a weak link or a vulnerability. And this is where a whole lot of factors comes into play. And that is why we are using this example and taking the opportunity to look at this dynamic in our lives. So we're looking at how to respond to the unforeseen, unfortunate things that happen in a believer's life. Now, we endeavor to walk within God's perfect will and purposes for our lives. We endeavor to remain obedient to His Word and His ways. We endeavor to love the body as much as we can. Yet, since ever since the past weekend, for this entire weekend, it is Friday today, we have been um, uh, physically uh, ill with COVID-19 and we have had symptoms. Now, we've been in the process of praying back the effect of the symptoms. Um, we have uh, remained productive. We have uh, worked as much as we could this week. We have continued um, with our uh, work, our service to God as much as we could. We've um, remained in prayer and so forth. And, um, but we have not been able to meet physically with anybody. We've had to conduct everything over the phone. Um, the both of us are sick, so luckily we could continue working together. But the fact of the matter is, it has affected a few people, and especially the core of this ministry. Now, we are very confident that there was never a danger of anybody losing their lives. But we know that the COVID-19 uh, virus has killed uh, thousands of people. Thousands of people have died. So it's a dangerous virus. But we have covenant. We are in Messiah together and we are in the um, protection of prayer. And many people are praying for us and we are praying for the others. So even the elders that have contracted it um, are, haven't been very ill. But the fact is the virus got into the of our church. Now, we are looking at it and people might say, well, you haven't, you haven't been praying enough or there must have been sin somewhere in your lives or why didn't you just straight away uh, pray and you should have been healed and the virus should have been dead, then there's not enough anointing. People with different perspectives can come with all kinds of ideas and criticisms. I know people that um, were always. Uh, uh, um, I know people that were always taking the uh, position that all sickness should be prayed for, and believers shouldn't be sick. And um, I know one of these big preachers that were always saying this that died at the age of fifty of a heart attack. Um, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't believe in the perfect protection of God. Yes. I'm just saying there's a biblical context to everything we do and believe. So we are praying for healing and we are being healed. But what now? How do we deal with the fact that things can happen unforeseen, unexpected, and things that we didn't want to happen? We've seen believers that were faithful lose their jobs, lose their income. Um, we've seen all kinds of things happen to believers. Now, a lot of times sin does play a role. Temptation does come in, sin can enter, and it can bring destruction. It can steal from us. 
but it's definitely biblically not always the case that it's the result of sin. So how do we deal with it? So earlier this year we learned a bit of a lesson um, when it comes to when we are praying about something that we are convinced uh, should uh, be done in a certain way. So we uh, have learned a lesson about the way we pray and the way that God knows better. So earlier this year, in the beginning of the COVID outbreak, we, there was no way for us to understand the magnitude of what was unfolding. Mm-hmm. And we had already booked um, our trip, our missionary trip to Uganda. We had, everything was organized. We had spent quite a bit of money on, on conferences and preparations. And, um, and then the COVID thing started unfolding. And I was fervently praying that we would just not be stopped from going on the airplane and making it to Uganda. Mm. I was actually praying, Lord, let us just get there before they close. The borders. The borders. I just didn't have the wisdom, the insight or the foresight to understand the scope and the consequences of what was coming. And I was, um, I was really praying. We were really praying and we were convinced. And um, we were so convinced that God had spoken to us about going to Uganda. God had opened the doors. Everything had come together. We had vision. We had understanding. We were convinced it was God's will. And we couldn't understand why things were changing. Um, And what happened is, literally a day or two before we were supposed to board our flight, things developed in South Africa that they cancelled the flights literally in the nick of time. Now, I was disappointed because I was praying. <laughs> you know, normally, so, so for those who don't know, I'm fairly prophetic. I mostly know what's coming. It's very seldom that something catches me um, unaware or without me knowing that something was coming. I didn't see this kind of thing coming at all. I didn't see the cancellation of the flights or the tour or the uh, missionary to, uh, trip. I didn't see any of it coming. And um, you could say, well, why didn't you see? The fact is the Lord didn't reveal it to me. And um, by the borders closing just in time and God not allowing us to actually fly, we were saved from maybe being stuck in Uganda for months. We would not have been able to return. Um, we would have been separated from our church here that we lead for months. Um, and I'm so grateful that the Lord didn't listen to my prayers. Yes. What seemed like a total disaster. We were devastated. I was in tears when this happened. I was, we were both crying. That's how disappointed we were with fault, but it was God's will. It was, the, what it was His way, His will before us, destiny, and and we didn't understand it. It was the enemy that was stopping us. The fact is, God was good, and God was in His perfection. He had ordered our steps perfectly, and um, in hindsight, it was a blessing that we couldn't fly. Because even if we did get there, we wouldn't be able to have any conferences. Yes. By being here, we could um, be positioned to provide for those pastors, for our partners in Uganda, provide for them, look after them. And so, even in that, it turned out to be a blessing. Now, we have learned this over and over, that... Sometimes even the most prophetic people don't see everything and we don't know everything. We are uh, watching, we're searching, we're in prayer, we're looking, seeking the Lord for vision and understanding and the Lord does show us and we do pick up a lot of things. That's how we live and walk, but we don't see everything. And in the scripture that we read, Paul didn't see the snake. He was as prophetic as can be. 
and Paul didn't see the snake bite coming his way. And he didn't escape it either. But it didn't kill him. And this is where we want to come to wisdom and understanding. Um, right now we're sitting here and we are in the middle of our period of being infected by the COVID virus. And we are not perfectly uh, healthy physically. It's not that we have no symptoms. But we know that we cannot be destroyed by this and we cannot be uh, ultimately harmed by this. And we have refused to allow it to steal time and joy and productivity from us. Um, And so I think we are now looking at understanding how to respond to it. We are responding, Lord, we have faithful healing. Ultimately, we will not die. We shall live. We will come out of this stronger than ever before. And we're not denying the fact that it would have been better if we were um, immune and never got sick. But the fact is we're not. And um, we're going to look at what the Bible says. But what are the possible benefits or the things that God might be doing through us becoming sick. Firstly, Thursday evening before we knew we were going to get sick, we were trying to communicate to the church, to you guys, that when we're not here, when we're away on on our missions, then you guys need to make sure that you keep the wall unbreached. You're supposed to keep each other safe, yourself safe. You cannot depend on us. Now, a few days later, we take taken completely out of the equation together with um, the elders. We can't m- meet together at the venue where we meet. So everybody's out there and you guys can get to each other because none of you were infected. And you can have fellowship with each other, but without us, and we're still here. And I think God's making a bit of a point. Now, I'm not saying God made us, caused us to to become sick. But sometimes He allows things to come through. It's not going to destroy us. No. But we can learn from it. We can can gain wisdom from it, experience from it. And He's preparing us uh, as soldiers are prepared. And this is how we learn to fight this war. So that's why we're taking this slowly, explaining it properly, because we want uh, every member of this fellowship to to gain a, a kind of a an insight into that. We need to pay attention, learn, do what he teaches us, implement what he gives us to implement, and continue to do it, walk in it. If we've gained wisdom, continue to grow in that wisdom. Don't have wisdom for a day. And then walk back into foolishness the next day. And so, it is just unbelievable timing that we have just launched into the biggest study of overcoming ever. Mm. Uh, because before, when we wanted to do the study on overcoming, I felt everybody wasn't right for the already for the level of testing that was going to come. Yes, okay. because the moment we introduce, obviously the series of testing also starts. So So now, we are also uh, in the process of um, the Peter equation, discipling. We're doing that simultaneously and we are doing that over a period of years. So we have come through um, perseverance in the equation and now this year, we are expecting the Lord to reveal to us and give us understanding regarding godliness. Now, let's look at that for a moment. Okay. As we move into godliness and we come back into His image and His likeness and Messiah is formed in us and we are conformed to His image while still in the body. So, as we come into godliness, we should see the atmosphere, environment, and reality of godliness in our lives increase and come to perfection. To the degree that we have in our state on on earth, not coming to godliness, to that degree the environment around us 
and the atmosphere and the life that we live in is also still lacking in the perfection of the kingdom on earth. And this is where the vulnerabilities lie. So keep that in mind, because I believe as we grow and into godliness and we are transformed into his image, so also we will become more and more um, immune to sickness and all the other things that can cause us harm and cause vulnerabilities. Keep that in mind. So before we end this first episode, let's get back to the story of Paul and the incident with the viper. Now, we all know the, the kind of small context around that story and we all know how it turns out. You can go read the rest of it. But if we backtrack a little on that same story, we're going to see that the incident with the viper is one of many events in a series of unfortunate events that Paul is going through at that stage of his life. So uh, we're going to run you kind of through the story of things that seem to go really horribly wrong. You can go read it. Um, So it starts out basically with, once again, the Jews uh, turning against Paul and getting quite quite riled up. And they are on the verge to to attack Paul, and the Romans intervene. And because of the upheaval in the town, the Romans decide that they are going to examine Paul to get the truth out of him, to understand what's happening and why the Jews are so upset. And it's at this point that Paul then reveals to him that he's a Roman citizen, and so the Romans back off. How would they have examined him? So examining, in biblical terms, is not just sitting someone down with a lie detector and asking questions. It's not the form of a test that we understand or know. Examining would have been um, physical torture. So uh, in this case, when you read, you'll see they they use the word scourge. Uh, They would have probably used quite a number of methods of torture to get the necessary information out of Paul that they were looking for. So luckily he spared that. And one could think, okay, well, thank goodness, you know, he was spared of this of this torture. But the fact is now unfolds a series of what could seem like quite unfortunate events. And uh, so he, he makes them aware of the fact that he's a Roman citizen. And now... Th- From here, he's now put into prison. So even though he's not physically abused by the Romans, he's still uh, kept aside, kept safe. And the way they keep him safe is by arresting him. And from here, he has to now appear before different important people, state his case, bring a witness, uh, explain who he is and what he's doing and why he's upsetting the Jews and why all of these things are happening with him and around him and wherever he goes. And the fact is that things now get so intense that Paul later appeals to Caesar. And and this is quite a controversial point in the story. Uh, Some people might look at his step there in appealing to Caesar and wonder if perhaps this wasn't maybe a mistake. Perhaps Paul did not maybe overreact. Uh, we see that one of the kings that he appears to and makes his case to actually says to one of the centurions that if he had not appealed to Caesar, then they would have gladly let him go because there's nothing really against him that could keep him in prison or chained up. And so one could think, well, you know, was this maybe a, a grave error uh, on Paul's side? Uh, but we do understand that Paul is prophetic and he does understand that there is purpose and that he has to go to Rome. But now, even after this, we see that events continue unfolding that for any normal person might have, you know, brought to pass the thoughts that perhaps this is evidence that Paul did make the wrong decision. Perhaps Paul did, you know, overreact because of everything that's now going to happen, because now starts a perilous journey uh, all the way to Rome. And they travel mainly by ship. And uh, when they start traveling, Paul with his prophetic sense, lets them know that it's, it's not a good time to start sailing because, uh, because of the seasons and the seasonal changes. Uh, the people decide that they're not going to heed his advice and they sail anyway. 
And we know then the storm happens. And it's not just a storm for a night or for a day or even for a few days. The storm lasts for about four weeks. Um, we know that they fast and pray for about two of the last weeks, so they don't eat for, for 14 days. But the storm seems to have started even days before that. So, so really, this, has been a, this is not just an easy journey or just maybe not nice for a few days. They are all fearing for their lives. There's a point where they all kind of come to terms with the fact that maybe this is how they die. And Paul then stands up and him, having fasted and prays, prayed, uh, he reveals to them that God has told him that uh, he will lose none of the people that are with him on the ship. And here they start trusting Paul's authority and Paul's prophetic insight. It might be because of desperate measures. We don't know. But the fact of the matter is they start heeding Paul's instructions. And they together take food. And then <clears throat> we see that the ship starts running aground. So uh, even then, after the Lord makes known to Paul that they are all going to survive, it's not like the storm just ends and the ship just you know, comes into calm. Um, they actually run aground and the ship starts falling apart, starts completely breaking apart. Um, at one stage, they consider throwing the uh, prisoners overboard so that they can die because they don't want them to escape. But Paul says, no, don't do that. And uh, those who can swim are instructed to swim to land because they, they're stranded on an island then. And uh, the rest of them kind of make it on parts of the wreckage all the way onto land. And they all survive. But now they're stranded on an island. And this is 200 odd, yeah. odd people. Here they are on the island. They don't know where they are. There's no ship, no communication. And uh, luckily, they find the locals. And the locals turn out to be quite friendly and help them. And it's raining. And so after all of this disaster, they make a fire. And Paul is kind of out of his goodness, helping to make a fire. And out of the wood, jumps this viper and attacks his hand. As if things, you know, as if he hasn't had a bad time already. Now, we know what happens after that and how the rest of the story unfolds. And in the next episode, we are going to look a bit more at the bigger picture and how things that might seem negative in the moment um, can all form part of a bigger picture. And sometimes when we miss the bigger picture, we can be caught up in what seems like unfortunate events. Uh, things that are negative and are negatively impacting us in the moment. Yeah. So to close off with, we have to develop a biblical and biblically sound uh, viewpoint and approach when it comes to difficult circumstances impacting our personal lives. And if we are not going to learn to look at these things in a proper way, a sound way, we don't know exactly what our perspective should be, or what it's based upon, then when tough times come, when trials come, and when tests come, then we're going to uh, possibly pray in ways that we shouldn't, think in ways that we shouldn't, and we could take a position that we shouldn't be taking at all. Um, so this could be uh, one of the most important teachings we have ever done. Please pay attention uh, to that. Out there, the done thing would have been, when anything looks like it's going to go bad, people start praying, demanding, um, rebuking, rebuking, claiming from God, uh, exerting their own authority. And I'm not saying that when sickness comes that we shouldn't be praying for healing. Mm. We should be standing on what has been done for us on the cross. Mm. But we don't want to walk around with a mindset that we are the children of God and everything should just be going perfectly all the time. Because people that think like that, they normally have to struggle their way through life. Our approach is that we have a straight road ahead of us. The road of righteousness, that narrow road. We are learning to walk carefully and circumspectly on that road. Now, on that road, there is going to be tests. There's going to be opportunities to grow, opportunities to be challenged, opportunities to learn about 
uh, godliness, about uh, the right response to the right circumstances in the right way, in the right season. And um, I want to add something at the end of this for everybody to think about. Sometimes circumstances arise because we, under restful, comfortable, positive circumstances, we just not pay attention to certain things in our lives. Sometimes there's something that needs fixing, something that we need to pay attention to, something that we need to make decisions about. Maybe there's small areas of repentance that's there, we might be aware of them, but because there's no need to pay attention to it now, we're just going to do it somewhere in an undefined future. And then the Lord will allow circumstances to force us to pay attention. Now, we, most of the times, each and every one of us, always had the opportunity to voluntarily mm. pay attention to these areas. Most of us would have had the opportunity every single day to turn our gaze upon this area that needed sorting out, that needed decision-making, that needed uh, order, bringing order to it. Um, and um, we could have done it at any time. But because things were comfortable and we were busy with other things and there was no pressure, no need right now to do it, we just never got to it. We never paid attention or we actively refused to deal with certain things. And then the Lord will sometimes allow pressure to build, allow circumstances to impact our lives and force our hand, force, force us to look at these things, force us to pay attention. And sometimes He will force us to deal with testing in our lives right now. And um, we need to understand in the right time, what it is that we should pay attention to. What is it that is drawing our attention to? And then in humility and obedience, we need to respond. We need to respond in the right way. So in, in the next episode, we're going to look at biblical examples of when disaster strikes. Um, how it could affect godly men and women. And um, how other people and different factors could cause things to happen in our lives. So, episode two to follow.